Welcome to the fourth season of Version 20 Podcast, where I, Bobby Stevens, am your host with a new episode every Wednesday. If you are a serious fan of true crime and love listening to podcasts, but don't want all that small talk, you've come to the right place. We get right to the facts. Murdering 20 episodes are concise and complete in 20 minutes. Less talk and more true crime. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get to this week's episode. Basking in the palm trees of Florida, Louis Gaskin grew up in the Sunshine State. Born in 1967, his childhood was not an easy one. He never knew his father, and his teenage mother abandoned him. He lived with his great-grandparents, who were none too happy to be raising a toddler. The Dayton Beach News Journal reported that they were very strict, forcing him to eat off the floor and severely beat him. Lewis responded by rocking himself back and forth while sucking his thumb. In school, didn't treat him any better. There he found no relief, but instead was bullied. Lewis learned young that he had to fend for himself. No one was going to take care of him. No one was going to love him. At 19, he heard a rumor about a co-worker who had $600 on him, maybe even as high as 900 Lewis and Sam both worked at a mill in Flagler County, and Lewis knew where he lived. He crept into the woods behind Sam's trailer, to a spot where he had a view of the window, and he pulled the trigger. Lewis got away with murder. His life of crime continued, and by the time he was 21, Lewis had served two and a half years on burglary charges. Lewis was released, but he wasn't rehabilitated by any means. Three years later, Lewis spotted a manager leaving a retail store. It was late at night. He followed her as she prepared to make a bank deposit. Lewis pulled out a gun and shot her. Again, Lewis got away with murder. Robert Sternfels worked as a telephone line foreman in New Jersey until he retired in 1988. He and his wife, Georgette, had been married 32 years and had no children. Robert was outgoing, had many friends, and loved to play golf. The couple purchased a home on Ripley Place in Palm Coast, Florida, where they spent their winters. Their house sat all alone on a cul-de-sac bordered by tranquil woods on three sides. Lewis was living 20 minutes away in Bunnell. It was December 20th, 1989, and Christmas was approaching, and he needed money. So he fell back on what he knew best, robbery. He dressed in black from head to toe, with a black hood, scarf, and goggles, grabbed his 22 caliber rifle, and went on the hunt for a victim. He drove down the highway, past the railroad tracks, and into Palm Coast. He ended up on a cul-de-sac. In the dark, he saw a lone house with lights warmly glowing. 
He parked his car, quietly shut the driver's door, and circled the house on foot multiple times. Living amongst the trees with no neighbors, their blinds were open. He watched them through the windows, waiting for the right moment. Finally, it appeared before him. Court records reported that Robert and Georgette were sitting in the den. When Georgette got up to leave the room, Lewis raised the rifle, steadied the butt against his shoulder, aimed it at Robert, and pulled the trigger. The bullet sliced through the glass. Within seconds, Robert stammered, Oh my God, what's happening? Georgette's mind instantly thought he was having a heart attack. Before she could finish her thought, Lewis took a second shot at Robert. This time, Georgette understood what was happening. She turned and started to run. But Lewis raised the gun and cut her down. Robert managed to remain standing. Lewis didn't hesitate. He fired a fourth shot. Robert dropped to the floor. Georgette managed to crawl along the floor. This surprised Lewis. He quickly turned the rifle towards her and fired a fifth shot. But Georgette was a fighter. She pulled herself into the hallway. Lewis frantically looked around for her. He couldn't see her. He circled the house, looking through the windows. Then he spotted a door with a window. He found her. She propped herself up and was sitting, holding her head and looking in disbelief at the blood around her. Lewis fired a sick shot. Georgette slumped to the floor. Lewis went back around to the front of the house, broke a window, and let himself in. He closed the window and the blinds, then searched for his victims. He came across Robert first. He placed a rifle barrel against his head and fired a seventh shot. Robert died at 56. Then he saw Georgette and could hear a gurgling sound. He fired an eighth shot at point-blank range. Georgette died at 55. Lewis toured their house, shutting all the blinds as he went. He grabbed two blankets and threw them on his victims. Before fleeing, he picked through their belongings and stole numerous items, including a clock, cassette recorder, two lamps, cash and jewelry. Heading back towards the highway, he made a wrong turn and ended up on a dead-end road. There, he spotted a house. His lights had just turned on. In that split second, he made the decision to kill again. He turned on record place, parked his car, and hidden by darkness, he snuck up to Joe and Mary Rector's house. Walking past the children's swing set in the yard, he could see the couple in their mid-thirties through the window. Sitting by the fireplace in the den, 
enjoying their time together while the two young children visited family in another state. Lewis returned to his car and grabbed a pair of clippers. Back at the house, he cut the phone line. He watched as they turned out the lights and headed to their bedroom. Rather than shoot through the window, Lewis decided to lure the couple outside where he could get a clear shot. Joe and Mary were watching the news when at 11.35, they suddenly heard a loud bang. Joe thought maybe a log had fallen out of the fireplace, but Lewis had heaved a log up and threw it on the roof. Joe got up and turned on lights as he went to the den, but there was no log on the floor, so he opened the door and peered outside. Lewis was watching, but he hesitated and missed his opportunity. Joe went back inside and grabbed a knife from the kitchen before returning to the bedroom. Turning off the lights, he and Mary returned to bed. Lewis wasn't giving up. Five minutes later, he grabbed rocks from the garden and threw them at the house. Joe and Mary turned on the lights outside and peered out the window. But it was dark and they couldn't see anything. They went and stood by the front door and heard more rocks being thrown. This time, they landed on the roof and rolled down. Mary decided to call the sheriff's office. She picked up the receiver and discovered the line was dead. She was scared and her instincts kicked in. She went to the bathroom, opened the clothes hamper and pulled out some dirty clothes and got dressed. She headed towards the bedroom to try the phone in there, even though she had a sinking feeling it would be dead also. Outside, Lewis was stalking the couple. As Joe neared the bedroom doorway, he asked his wife if she tried the phone yet. Lewis raised the rifle and took a shot. Glass shattered, and Joe screamed. I've been shot. I have been hit. They're trying to kill me. I have been shot in the heart. He then told Mary to stay down. Lewis heard Joe hollering and knew he had to finish him off. He raced around the outside of the house, trying to get a better shot at him. On his knees, Joe yelled through the front door that whoever is playing with guns, that they'd hit him and it probably killed him. Joe thought he was dying. Joe and Mary didn't have an enemy in the world and couldn't figure out what was going on. Who would attack them? Who would want to hurt them? Joe told Mary he needed to go to the hospital, and knowing the phones weren't working, he instructed her to get the car keys. The front door creaked open. Joe crept out first, with Mary following. She slid behind the wheel as Joe got in the passenger seat. Lewis was watching, perhaps shocked that his targets had made it outside. He missed his opportunity to take another shot. Mary struggled to get the silver sports car in gear, and when she did, she spun out of the driveway. 
Lewis started firing shots at the tires and managed to hit two. Joe yelled, Let's go, go! as three more bullets struck the car. Luckily, missing Joe and Mary. They couldn't see Lewis and didn't know where the bullets were coming from. Mary was focused on driving to the hospital. The couple didn't think Joe was going to make it and began saying their goodbyes. With his victims gone, Lewis returned to their house. Knocking out a glass window, he opened the door and let himself in. He rifled through Joe's wallet and was disappointed to find it empty. Then he turned to Mary's purse, where he found only $20. Lewis felt his time was almost up and that he'd better leave. In a rush, he dropped a glove and a cigar wrapper. In the early morning hours, Sheriff's deputies descended on Joe and Mary's house. Outside, they found bullet casings, tire tracks, and footprints. Inside, forensic search for fingerprints. A few hours later, a postal employee was delivering mail. When through the window, they spotted two bodies and alerted the sheriff's office. Detectives were shocked to find a second and grislier crime scene. Joe survived his bullet to the chest. Although it was headed towards his heart, it bounced off a rib and landed in his lung. The media dubbed Lewis the ninja killer. Meanwhile, Joe went to his girlfriend's home and gifted her the stolen items for Christmas. He confided in her cousin Alfonso Golden that he jacked the presents and left the victim stiff. But Alfonso was hiding a secret. He was a confidential informant for the police. And later, when he was watching the news, he learned about the murders and the robberies and called police. They in turn referred him to the sheriff's office. On December 29th, Detectives located Lewis outside a friend's home and brought him in for questioning. Lewis said he'd tell them everything, provided he could smoke. A detective drove to a convenience store and purchased a pack of cigars. The detective later told the media that to this day, I can't stand the smell of black and mild cigars. True to his word, Lewis provided a full confession. A search of his home produced more of the stolen items, and he also told authorities where they could find evidence that he dumped into a canal. Lewis would later tell a psychologist, the devil had more of a hold than God did. I knew that I was wrong. I wasn't insane. Detectives knew that if they hadn't caught Lewis, he would have continued to kill. Lewis went on trial in June 1990. He was found guilty and at the age of 22, sentenced to death. Throughout the years, his case was appealed four times. All were denied. Lewis spent 33 years on death row. 
On April 12, 2023, he woke up at 4.45 a.m. That morning, he enjoyed his last meal. Just before 6 p.m., 56-year-old Lewis was taken to the electric chair. His wrists were restrained with leather straps, and he was covered with a white sheet. At 6.02, the lethal cocktail was administered. Three minutes later, he appeared unconscious. Two minutes after that, he stopped breathing. At 6.15, it was officially pronounced that the sentence of the state of Florida was carried out. Thanks for listening to Murder in 20 with less talk and more true crime. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday for the episode of Joanna Yates. Joe and Greg moved into an apartment in Clifton. With Christmas approaching, he left to visit family. But when he returned, Joe was gone. And Greg had no idea that on the other side of the apartment wall was her killer. If you're dying to hear more, past episodes of Murder in 20 are available for free at murderin20.com and on all major podcast platforms. We love what we do and are dying to continue. If you enjoy listening to Murder in 20 every week, we'd be eternally grateful for your support by visiting Murder in 20 at Patreon, PayPal, or murderin20.com. We'd like to acknowledge Verbal Planet for use of their music sound effect from Vaseline Studios and Quick Sounds, and our many editorial sources who are listed on our website. Be sure to like, share, and follow us to learn about upcoming episodes every Wednesday. Stay safe, sleep with the lights on, and don't play with strangers.